welcome to the In the Village, a prisoner intercast. Today we are talking about change of mind. But my name is Shane, and as joined as always by my good friend Aaron. Hello. And my good friend John. Hello. I don't know why I say keep saying good friend because we none of us have ever actually actually ever met. But anyway, <laughs> because you're British and you're being polite, and by being polite, you're actually being an, a dick. Oh wait, did I just ruin that for everybody in the world that didn't know that? <laughs> Ooh. Why you gotta be like I blamed that? I blame I blame a person on the John Stewart show who who claimed that the the nicer they're being, the more jerkish they're actually being towards you. That was the claim. <laughs> Anyway, okay. now that I've insulted probably at least three of our listeners. <laughs> yes, you know, only six people listen to the podcast. It's okay. Yeah. One of them's Aaron's mom. I mean. <laughs> Actually, one of them's probably my fiance. <laughs> Hi, Grace. <laughs> we will start, as always, with the TV war synopsis. Can, I ch- science- can science change a man's mentality? The prisoner is the subject of a sinister plan to transform his mental prowess by sound waves and drugs. It's the latest move as part of number two to get the answer to the question, why did number six resign? That's the constantly question we're trying to figure out, isn't it? Yeah. It certainly is. It's, if we start uh, with number six having fun in his outside gym, then he decides to get beaten up. No, no, see, see, what what amazes me about this is number six is the one that gets written up, but he's the one that doesn't start the fight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what happens when two young punks show up when you're, you know, exercising? You beat the crap out of it. We don't don't get to see number two for quite a long while, do we? Yeah, there's a good portion of the uh, beginning of the episode where we don't get to see number two. Why do you start with? Actually, we, we, I always seem to start the episode with, with this question. What do you think of the, this new number two? He was so incredibly fat. Oh, man, all he needed was a cigar, and I could have claimed he was Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> this episode being renamed to Aaron makes fun of British people badly. <laughs> Aaron, yeah. stop alienating half our audience. Damn it. Do you realize a lot of this is going to get cut out? <laughs> Probably. Probably, Yes. Um, no, but seriously though, you put a cigar in that guy, and he could have easily been a Winston Churchill stereotype. Yeah, I suppose, I, I suppose so. But didn't have really have the thick British accent, did he? Really? No, but I mean, he didn't have to speak. All you needed was a photo, and I said it was a stereotype. Yeah, would have yeah. worked perfectly well for a political comic. True, 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 true. Um, but uh, going back to the episode, as we had said, we had the fight. Uh, then we're back into the, what seems to be the town hall again, and. People are confessing their sins to the world. Wow, it, it reminded me of a communist camp. We're telling you what to say, and you will say it. Yeah. It was almost comical, actually. Really? Well, it's just, just the way how the guy was just being, everyone could hear it through the box. Yeah. And then the guy was saying it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, he, gets, and he gets so emotional, doesn't he? Yep. Uh, then number six goes downstairs. And um, he says, have you signed the full confession? And he just rips it up in front of them. Oh, of course I've signed it. Yep. So this is six we're dealing with. That's, that is very, very true. Uh, and then they seem to they seem to break fatigue relatively quickly. 
but yeah, they want him to uh, turn the uh, full, conf- full confession. As always, everything is being recorded. Yeah, my question is, what exactly is he supposed to be confessing to? I mean, the, you know, he was out exercising and then two jerks come up and beat the crap out of him? They're blaming, they're blaming everything on him, aren't they, really? Impartial committee, right. Yeah. Ridiculous shirts and top hats. The real question is, are these the same top hats we had from the episode where they were going to use the uh, super uh, think tank thing to beam knowledge into people's brains? Because they're not the same top hats. I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I forgot to mention actually this. Uh, this is another episode that McGowan directed. Wait, McGowan <laughs> directed this director? one? Yeah. Mm. And another episode that he decided to take over the directing. <laughs> well, at least this one didn't seem as too storylined as the last one. This one is at the very least consistent. Yeah. Yeah, at least has somewhat of a storyline. Albeit confusing. Yeah, the original uh, the original director was uh, Roy Rossitelli, and apparently he was taking great care, taking a very a, a great deal of time over the thing. Well, Patrick McGowan is much more of a let's get everything done. I want to get everything done type, type of a guy. Um, and Patrick was getting much more and more tweet, uh, twitchy apparently. Uh, the little film was shot. In that first morning, uh, so, so they had a, they broke for lunch, and when they returned, uh, Patrick McGoon went to the floor saying the director's not very well. He went back after lunch. We arranged a car for him to take take him back to London. This was McGoon wishing to seize the blow and hide the fact he had actually fired Rossitelli, and decided to take over the direction of the episode himself. Um, he was found Rossitelli was found distraught. Having found being discovered in the MGM car park in tears. So, let me get this straight. McGowan didn't like the pace the director was using, so he fired him. Yep. When they broke for lunch. Yeah, on the first day. Oh, what a dick! <laughs> I mean, it, why didn't he just like direct the whole series himself if he's having this much problem with directors? Yeah. Um, anyway, on with the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were filming quite late, uh, later on in the episode. They were filming quite late at night. Where they were quite in a complicated shot. And back in those days, uh, the the uh, rules say that you had to finish at nine o'clock no matter what. Otherwise, the technicians would actually kill the lights. It got to nine o'clock that night. The techies to kill the lights, as per their agreement, and McGowan's are absolutely furious. Wow. It apparently, it, never, it nearly gave him a nervous breakdown. There seems to be a running theme with this show, that it's almost killing Patrick McGowan. Mm. Uh, however, uh, uh, John Shopper actually paid number two. Uh, apparently, he recalls that he, Patrick Post found time to be supportive to, um, to, uh, as, uh, to Angela Brownie, who played uh, Numbers 86. 
she was having problems with the technical dialogue in the open, op, uh, operating scene, and had a confidence dented by the crew talking on set. Eventually, McGowan ruled, shut up, this is an actress doing her best to play this part, and if you don't shut up, you're all set. Hmm. And right back to the uh, episode <laughs> in question. Well, it's good to know that Patrick McGowan is not a complete dick. Yes. <laughs> I thought I put that I thought I put that in there now instead of later on. Uh, we go back to the episode and um, it goes it takes a wander back to his um, house and everybody is wandering away from him. Picks up the newspaper and number six is uh, is for further investigation according to the teleho. And number six throws uh, the newspaper onto the fire. And we meet the committee for the first time. Well, actually, no, we don't. We meet, the, we meet number two for the first time. And he introduces us to 86, who's the head of the committee. And there's a, uh, have a nice little conversation here over some tea, which is lovely. And then we get a scene of number six with the committee in the woods. And he is doing his quite very, very best to disrupt the committee. And he is taken away by Minimoke to the hospital. Uh, then we cut to uh, back to back to number six's bungalow. And everybody is doing it very, very best very, very best to actually ignore number six. And we hear that number six is being declared a mutual. Unmutual. 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 I swear his comments about everyone is sheep is proven true right at this moment. Yeah. They're all sheep. Well, considering their actions, see, yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And um, he tries to get hold of somebody via the telephone, and nobody's there. Nobody, this, this seems to be his phone's been disconnected. Or something's going on anyway. Oh, we do see some lovely, very, very lovely stock shots of some birds going over. Oh, man. Bird shots. Best yeah. shots ever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then, uh, um, he, number six is quite hilariously attacked by everybody with um, umbrellas. And he's being dragged to the hospital. Because if you won't submit, we'll make you submit. I should point out that real in real life, that hospital building is several is, is quite a long way from Maryland itself. Um, so if the, so if it was real life, they would have been dragging him like that for a good twenty thirty minutes. Nice. And thus the magic of photo manipulation. Yep. What? Are you trying and to the, say they did some sort of camera trickery? Not at all. <laughs> and then we see number six being operated on. With sound. Yeah. And fury. Wait. <laughs> no. It was it was a laser beam. Yeah. Yeah. Light beams. I couldn't tell. Was it light beams or laser beams? It was uh, like that... reflected light or something yeah. to like burn a hole like through his brain. Yeah. Because science. Yeah. It was meant to be quite the scene was meant to be quite more 
I suppose gory, I suppose, is the only thing I can think of. Because it wasn't meant to be using light. It was meant to be a proper operation. Really? Yeah. So why'd they switch it to the laser? Because uh, McGowan didn't want it. McGowan didn't want it to be um, "quote unquote" gory. Yeah, of course. So they so they changed it. Um, I swear, going back over that that little scene where she's explaining what's going on, I feel like they wrote the script with as many as scientific words as possible, whether or not that made sense. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. Welcome to the world of Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> Oh man, you're watching Voyager. Uh, I like Voyager. Actually, no, I don't. I prefer New Generation. But I about to say, <laughs> you're the first person I've ever met to actually like Voyager. But moving on. <laughs> Voyager had some ep- had some really good episodes, but that was it. They were few and far between. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we see our latest so we, digression into the world of Star Trek, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, so we uh, <coughs> see a test, I suppose, uh, of what the laser can do, and the laser burns a hole, and number six goes under the um, under, under the laser, I suppose, and he comes out all happy and contented. Actually, if we can back up a little bit, um, before the very obvious commercial break, uh, I think they played their hand a little bit too early because we see her turn down the intensity thing so that it just leaves the mark on the outside of his head. But um, I also think the rest of the episode would have worked better if they had left that reveal for later. Oh, interesting. McGowan put that in because he thought it would be too confusing to view us. God damn it, Patrick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, so McGowan goes outside, and it's a big celebration! Because he's been finally made mutual. He's been rehabilitated into society. Hooray! Even though they never cared about that before. Oh, well, shh. Besides the point. What? Nobody else cares about that. Just those at the top. Yeah. Because, again, everyone's sheep. Yeah. And then, um... He goes inside his own thing, and um, we see number... 86. Thank you. Um, and number two, walking him back to normality. A soothing cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. Soothing cup of tea. With not a, you know, with a pretty damn obvious drug-induced cup of tea. See, this is, this is another thing I think uh, they played their hand too early. You know, okay. because he, he looks over and he sees her dropping the, the pill into the tea, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they just left out that one scene with her turning down the volume, or the intensity, rather, you know, we would have gotten the, the impression that something's not right here because they're drugging him when they shouldn't need to drug him. I know, it's just it just seems to me like they're kind of talking down to the audience. Like, oh, hey, look, we know that you know that... Uh, uh, He's not actually been affected, but here's another show of how he's not been affected. Or, you know, we're showing how incompetent she is for being horrible at hiding things. Yeah, she couldn't have just, like, turned another, like, quarter? Yeah, I know. Like, She's got the cup, like, right in his plain sight. Like, you would think, given all the stuff we've seen, that she would think to kind of turn around and do it, not have it plain sight. Yeah. But I guess that would provide for more pain in the rear ca- camera stuff but nah. well, you, you wouldn't have even had to film that you could have just been like oh she 
Oh, she's acting weird. Oh, left it for a big reveal at the end, but no. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, so. Yeah, he asked for the blanket, and that's yep. what he uh, poured. He's able to dump, yeah, dump the, dump, the, dump the tea into the flower pot. Conveniently placed flower pot. Yeah, indeed. We will never see that flower pot again. Possibly not. I constantly can't remember, to be honest with you. Uh, but question. Question. Answer. Uh, yeah. Uh, if number six is always being watched, how can he uh, get rid of the tea in the flower pot without them knowing? That is a good question. Um, reasons? Because clearly this plan is foolproof and we don't need to watch number two at this time. <laughs> number six, you mean? Yes. We gotta number put two, we just not need to watch number six at this time. This plan is foolproof. <laughs> yes. We're going to put him in an easily escapable situation and not actually watch him die. <laughs> yes. We're just going to assume everything went on perfectly. Yes. Um, so, yeah, number two works at number six. And number, number two, and, uh, number two, and they have a nice little conversation. Number two disappears. And he goes into the mirror, takes the little badges off, and he sees the scar. Ba ba bum See, again, it would have, it would have played out better if they hadn't included that, uh, tell in the beginning. And then, uh, number six and number three have a conversation, and they see number six go a bit mental. Or at the very Bang- least, acting mental. Yeah, banging on the uh, on the, all the tops in the in the kitchen area. And number two, two goes to number six fifty eight and tells him, "We need he needs some more drugs." Is that secure for everything? More drugs. Indeed. And number. Th- and after a little sh- um, sh- shoot, Daddy, uh, number six is able to drug number fifty-eight. Was it fifty-eight? Hmm? In eighty-six. I mean, eighty-six. Sorry, oh, you're right. And then she acts like a drugged cat, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Wee. He's always number two. Is always so stressed. I should get him some flowers. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit later on, but yeah. Stupid woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose it was the 1960s and flower power. You know, so after she gets recalled the number two, yeah. number six goes back to his workout area. Yep. Well, and then proceeds to beat the crap out of those two again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sure, and then, then we get the scene of uh, uh, 86 and number two. Uh, you know, she's picking the flowers. So, I find this quite adorable in this scene, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. She actually sold it pretty well. Mm. And then uh, we see a bit of a hypnosis. Because you can do that. Yeah. The, dr- the drugs clearly help. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then she confesses all to number six. Well, who she thinks is number two. Yeah, indeed. And then number six goes to visit number two. And says he wants to make he wants us make a speech, and he wants to gather he wants it to be in front of everyone. So number two makes the announcement, and everybody who's anybody goes to the centre of the village to hear this major announcement. Only for number six to pull a switchblade. I don't mean that. Two is unusual. 
Yes. And everybody and everybody goes after number two. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time we've seen him turning the village against number two, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Not completely successfully. He, yeah. he tried during the election, and we all saw how well that went. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. work more play. Yes. <laughs> I have control. You are free. I have control. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, it begs the question, actually, as everybody's chasing after number two, who suddenly loses about 50 pounds. <laughs> You're trying to say they would use a double. Yeah, because if, if, you, if you look, he's being he's, he's walking along that um, passageway on set, uh, being followed by everyone. Next thing we see is him, he, he's running up the, to the Green Dome in this obviously location. Loses about, yeah, loses about 50 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, something I forgot to bring up. Um, you know the, when, going back way, way to the beginning, but when he's, um, first goes to like the re-education center or whatever it was, um, there are those signs around where it's number two pointing about wanting to be mutual. Did anybody yeah. else get a, uh, World War II Uncle Sam propaganda poster off of that? Yeah. Uh, what point? Where the the mutual the posters? The, yeah, the com- the community needs you posters right at the very start. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely got that that look off them. Yeah, because we've got the right the uh, well, <coughs> so we've got number two being uh being chased by the hordes. Yes. Okay. Why didn't he? No, so why didn't number six take the, this opportunity to escape? Why didn't he? Yeah. Uh, because he was getting too much of a laugh out of the fact that he finally got number two in trouble. I don't know. Uh, because we were at the end of the episode and we had to cut it off now. Uh, maybe they just would have sent Rover after him. Very good point. Very, 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 very good point. Now, what was the whole point with the... Anybody figure out what the whole point... The, 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 the butler just walking at the end with the umbrella just just, just for a dramatic, dramatic scene? or Possibly. Possibly. Maybe he's the real number one. I'm saying nothing. Hmm... I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying nothing. But Evolver does appear in that final scene. Does he? Mm. He certainly does. Oh. I'll be popping this onto the Facebook group when this episode goes out. But I'm going to be, sh- I'm going to be sending this picture to John and Aaron right now. So bear with me one moment, guys. I need to send it to you. We go. There we are. Just sent the, both of you the picture. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I looking at here? You're looking at the you're looking at the red the red circle. Um, because apparently that's Rover. Yeah. Is it? Yes, it's it's it is. You, you've got to sew it down to about quarter speed, but it does bounce onto screen. That is the best sh- screen grab I could get. Hmm. Uh, I got it. I just kept hitting pause and play over and over again. Uh, da, da, da.
Yeah. Uh, I feel like someone lost control of Rover, but hey, maybe maybe it's some secret thing that they maybe didn't want you or did want you to catch. Who knows? Yeah. I noticed it myself about four or five years ago. So, yeah. Have you found it, John? Yeah. Cool, really. Yeah. Anything else on there? Anybody wants to say? Uh, enjoy these lovely ads? Great! It's funny how some days work out. You wake up, get dressed, wrestle the tube to get into work, sit behind a counter dealing with stupid people and their boring problems, and then a time traveller in a police box turns up and whisks you off into time and space. Come on, Jaden. TARDIS is waiting. The Doctor's universe is insane. Good thing I've got some insane people to see it with. There's Destina, a time lady who seems like she's young, but she's really not. This is stupid, Destina. You shouldn't be following Daleks into some secret hidden lair where you're likely to get yourself exterminated. Because that's what Daleks do. A crazy computer that lives inside Mary Poppins' parrot-headed umbrella. Not to mention the creepy visits we get from Death, the Grim Reaper himself, who seems to have gone a little weird if you ask me. I am not an apparition, I can assure you. I am the undiscovered country from whose born no traveller returns. Then there's a doctor, that mad, insane Time Lord, who's been travelling around the universe forever, fighting all number of monsters, villains and God knows what else. infinite universe full of wonder and magic and things I'd never dreamed of? Like you even have to ask. Doctor Who, The Crossover Adventures, an unofficial audio series available for free download from iTunes or crossovers.org. Yep, that was a great ad, wasn't it? It was. It, was, it changed it was, my it, life. It changed my life too, I know. I'm definitely going to be checking out those people out. I always check those people out. Actually, it's a really, really great podcast. You should check them out. Anyway, uh, feedback time. We have one piece of, piece of feedback, and it's from Harold. Harold writes: This this episode demonstrated that Number Six has become so settled into the village that it was a major impact on him when he was shunned. It was seemed it was seen that he had truly come to enjoy greeting his fellow villagers and having conversations with them however bland and disingenuous they may be. This episode is also the first episode since Arrival to have a real sense of menace. I don't think since the first episode as any, that has been any real sense of danger that Six was in danger of being permanently damaged or killed. Even though it turned out that it's not the case, it was good to have this reminder that any moment Six could, that Six could be whisked away for, for what the masses called re-education. I give this eight perfectly brewed pots of tea. Thank you for that, uh, uh, 
email Harold and special thanks to you Harold because we have actually at the time of this recording we actually we haven't actually put the previous episode out yet. Whoopsie. It's called Live People. I'm sorry. Yep. We have them, believe it or not. Yes. Um. But yeah. But you can always email us at theprisonerintercast at gmail dot com. Uh. You you can also find us on Facebook. Just search for the Prisoner Introcast, which from every week from now on in, I will be giving updates on recording times and that sort of stuff. We do have a few spaces left, and that is in the post in on in on the in the Facebook on the Facebook page. And we also have a spoilers group as well. But next time we've got to do our ratings. We're gonna wait till next time to do the ratings? Well, okay, I guess this is gonna be a short podcast if we're not doing ratings. <laughs> but now Now we're doing ratings. Now we're doing ratings and that's now what we call another. Uh, and now we're doing ratings. There we go. <laughs> so Aaron what do you rate this out of 10 my friends uh, I will rate it above 5 actually Um, I don't know I think for me the episode was kind of uh, obviously finding out that it was another Patrick McGowan takes over and decides to direct it it kind of kind of makes sense as to why it's a little confusing it's not nearly as incoherent confusing as our last episode but nonetheless I still kind of like what did this do other than possibly show the existence of who the real number one might actually be? Um, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to go ahead and rate it. Just, uh, I'm going to go ahead and rate it seven councils out of 10. Yeah. Okay. John. Um, you know, we, we've been making fun of it, but I actually did like this episode. It had a good sense of pacing. It had a good sense of, uh, tension to it aside from the, uh, uh, obvious tell that I talked about, you know, at length. But uh, other than that, I thought I thought it was a good episode. It shows he's sort of unwillingly acclimatizing to the uh, to the village. So I'm going to give it probably 8 out of 10 unsuccessful druggings. Excellent. It falls to me as always, as I always go last. Um, for me, it's a really good episode. However, it seems for me, it seems the pacing's a bit off for me. Um, when I've, I mean, it's been quite a while since I've actually watched this particular episode. It's been a good couple of years, to be totally honest with you. And I always thought the operation scene took place much, much later on. In fact, it only it takes place within the first 20, 25 minutes of the episode. And there isn't enough in that second half for me personally to pad out the rest of the episode. Um, so I'm going to have to probably give it uh, six, uh, 6 out of 10 uh, being people being dragged to the hospital. We're picking really obscure things this time. Recently, I know. Are you saying we should have a set rating system? No, 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 no. I'm just saying I'm just saying normally we have an object. Harold seems to have been the only object. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Shane's over here picking people. I'm over here picking committees. Yes. Uh, but yes, uh, as always, I want to thank the band Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, for letting us use their music on the podcast. And as per always, if you want to check them out, it's do not forsake me dot com. But next time, but uh, yeah, next week, yep. yeah, it's uh, 
Hammer into Anvil. Hammer into Anvil. Is there blacksmithing involved? If there's not blacksmithing, I'm going to be very upset, Shane. No, but think of your... Think of your... Um, no, she's not going to say that, actually. It's going to be another metaphor, because all these episodes' names have been metaphors. Damn it. Can we get l- one so, literal episode, please? Ah. Well, we kind of almost did for the checkmate one, but... Number six is clearly going to be the hammer, and the anvil is clearly going to be somebody in the village. Yeah, just for the hell of it, it's probably going to be the literal one this time. Jeez. <laughs> no, watch, watch it be the literal one this time. Shane? Yeah, I'm just listening. Why you gotta be like that, Shane? Because <laughs> that's what Shane does. <laughs> I'm always quiet through this piece, as you well know, because I always like to know what you think is going to happen next. I'm like that. <coughs> so, that is next time. In two weeks' time, we will be recording. Uh, but uh, thanks uh, for listening and thanks for putting up with us with our stupid release dates. I know it's all over the place. There's a, there's a certain thing happening this coming Thursday called the January election. Blame politics. When in exactly. doubt, blame politics. Damn it, Shane. Blame politics and blame politicians. Whoops, so just put my foot into that. Damn it, Shane. <laughs> but that's next time, so let's speak to everyone. Um, well, Whenever we can. So, think about everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.